our our country is currently arguing about how much freedom a woman can have in simply destroying them before they're born. We we have to recapture and we have to sustain this ancient boundary stone that says children are a heritage, they are a reward, they are a treasure from God. What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Can you believe that we do this every week? Does that ever strike you as amazing? Because it does to me. I love it. It's kind of the the start of my weekend, to be honest. This okay, yeah, time. it is for me and too. I'm I'm at enjoying a cold, an ice cold kombucha <laughs> right now, and I'm. I am looking forward to Shabbat tonight because I will tell you, my wife left eight days ago and I have been a sole parent for the last eight days. And I was going to ask you about that. My household helper is not yet back to Utah from her winter vacation. This is the first time we've had a college student. So it's just been me and the girls and, uh, holy moly we we had a rocky first 48 hours we had in in a very short time period i have three daughters we had three cases of stomach flu that all hit within about 45 minutes of each other at about 3 a.m we had stitches in the head of one child and we had broken tooth of one child so wow that was an intense start since then it's been pretty smooth sailing did they take away your um, all-star dad card when you went to the emergency room the second time? No, I think I got gold stars on my card because guess who fixed the head? It wasn't the emergency room. It was the all-star dad. You sewed up a head? <laughs> so I used these, uh, this technique that my wife taught me uh, where you can actually use the hair to tie a head wound <laughs> together. It's really quite good. That's amazing. Wow, you're you, like a mountain man. You do little surgical knots in the hair, and then you put a drop <laughs> of super glue on each one, and boom. But, I mean, we were Gross. talking, a, this was a deep, I have some photos we could include in the show notes, but it was quite a, a wound, and it was it was all closed up within about 24 hours. All right. Kyla, unfortunately she broke her her grown-up tooth so oh i told her that's gonna change colors over time that little piece of tooth he added to your tooth oh wow i can't see you with a dark bottle in your hand it's gonna be a while before my mind doesn't immediately go to mark drinks beers in the shower occasionally that's a, oh, I wanted to provide our listeners an update on that front because okay, uh, sure. I have not drank a beer in the shower in months, but I have begrudgingly been scrubbing the crud out of my feet every week, every day because I we every shamed time I'm you in into sh- it. I'm like Stephen thinks this is important, and I'm just gonna ta- take a loop <laughs> to these suckers. Well, okay. So I don't know if you, maybe you feel good about that. 
Uh, no, it doesn't delight me. Um, I don't know what to say about it. Let's move on. Is there any hot, hot news from the manual household before we talk about our big announcement this week? Yeah, there's a little piece of family news. As we come into the Shabbat tonight, um, my oldest daughter is going to be the star of the Shabbat tonight um, because it today is not only her spiritual birthday, and we do a little hoopla over that. Um, we, I have written out the story of my children's conversion, and so I will read her story to her. I think it's good to keep that memory fresh. If you never talked about it for 10 years, it could be one of those things that the kid goes, now, ah, do I remember that? I don't know if that happened or not. So we're all very familiar with that story and I'll read that and we'll all, we'll go around the table and everyone will affirm the, the spiritual growth we've seen in her in the last year. And then um, I give a little gift to, to her of a spiritual nature. This is where Hallmark stores come in handy because they, they do the Christian things. In them. What are you going to give her? A little necklace. Nice. She's at a, she's at a age when uh, jewelry is a hot item. In addition to that, this week, they're, they're still off school. They start back school uh, next week. She, during her off week, she finally, she's been talking about this for years, she finally took a six-hour course that Red Cross offers online so that she's now a certified Red Cross babysitter. And so she's very pleased with that. And we're going to help her do a big a big flyer smash around the neighborhood um, to get her some new business. But we're, we're celebrating the oldest tonight. That's my That's news. awesome. Yeah, I, I feel like we could do a whole, we should do a whole podcast episode on giving gifts. That would be interesting because hmm. uh, for the first time this year, I I felt just like a desire to give my kids a Christmas gift just from dad. So it wasn't hmm. just, my oldest didn't get a gift of a spiritual nature. She got a gift of a political nature. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I gave okay. her the new Nike Kyrie Irving low tops for basketball season. So, oh my yeah. word. You dropped so. a coin on that. Um, yeah, they weren't, they weren't crazy, but, okay. um, she's, she's hooping now for her school. So she, she was aware of what was involved. What, what, what the statement was that was being made <laughs> mildly. She's okay. doesn't, doesn't care. She thinks they're cool because they're purple. Okay, good. And, and don't tell her how he, how he once uh, debated the world is flat. I leave that out of the conversation. I think he still holds to that position, but okay. Well, I was trying to give him benefit of the doubt. We can all grow. Um, well, let me tell you about a meeting that I had with a guy recently. Okay. Um, this guy is a listener. I like to think he's listening right now. And he said, um, I've got my own business. Um, things are going pretty good. I've got a kind of interesting world. And uh, I, I just want to meet you. He he's, lives within 45 minutes of me. We met up. We met up at Marx's Hot Bagels. I'll just throw out a, a, a socialist out to Marx. bagels. Marx's no, no M, 
Okay, Marx. I'm you know you think that if you think of Marxism when I say the name Marx, that is the there's an improper frame of the name Marx because it's a Jewish name, and this place is so proudly Jewish. It's a delight. I love this place. One of my. It's really kind of dumpy. It's been there forever. The um, the uh, owner has a great sense of humor. And one of the one of the pictures hanging on the wall is this great. I don't I don't know the context of it at all, but it's a it's a swim meet of all these swimmers. They're in their lanes, and Moses is in one of the lanes, and Moses is running because his lane is empty of water. Come on, hilarious! The Jews, the Jews with their corny humor. Anyways, I met him at Marx's Hot Bagels. Um, and he told me about himself and his family, which I found fascinating. You've never heard the story I'm going to tell you about this guy. Okay, so he and his wife, uh, when they were newly married, they started fostering children. And um, how and old is this guy? He's young. I mean, he's he's 28, 29. That's a guess. Okay, could be a little older. They started fostering kids. Well, when you get kids around your life, guess what happens? You love them. And then fostering leads to adopting. And so they started adopting kids and they started loving those kids and loving the process of caring for and adopting kids. They learned, um, they, I, I hope, I hope it's, uh, I'm not outing him too much to say that, that he and his wife had some infertility issues and they learned from the agency that they won't let a foster kid go into any house that has 10 kids in it, period. Doesn't matter where they came from, 10 kids. Well, guess what? This guy fostered and adopted five kids, six kids, seven kids, eight kids, nine kids, 10 kids. And as the 10th kid was um, in the process of being made their, their child adopted, they got pregnant with their first natural child. So he's like, if we had had this child a year ago, we wouldn't have gotten the 10th adoption and now we're now we're excited to go how many how many kids are we going to have naturally so anyways and this guy is i don't know what you think a guy with 10 kids looks like you probably i don't know what you think he looks like um certainly down yeah, yeah i'm picturing kind of a dilbert right right i you look i'm just here to bring home the bacon I have, I, I, I just have to bring more produce into this house, which but churns not through this everything. Guy. This guy looks this like guy, Ronnie Coleman, right? This guy is robust. He is a big guy. He, he does construction work. I don't know if he works out. He's good, big shoulders. He has dreadlocks, which he had pulled back into a ponytail. He's got tats. He looks like screaming heavy metal this guy and he came in just completely 
full of energy, full of life. Man, I'm ready. I brought my notebook and my Bible. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be great. Um, And anyways, I had just a really inspiring time with him. And um, we started talking about large families. So after talking to that guy, recently you got something that our... um, listeners won't might not understand you got a volley from someone tell us what volley is and then tell us what volley you got from somebody yeah so volley i think volley is an important evolution for the abraham's wallet podcast oh maybe some of our listeners are in the in the workplace and they've heard of something called slack Slack? Maybe. Have you heard of Slack? I have. I have. All right. Well, Slack is like a chat messaging app system for groups of people. A lot of people use it at work. When I was in tech, we used to use Slack all the time. Um, Volley, think of it as Slack, but instead of typing, you record videos. So in our financial planning business, Stephen, you and I use it to do one-on-one chats with clients. So somebody will, instead of sending an email or um, scheduling a meeting and going through the hassle of that, we'll just send them a volley and say, hey, I want to walk you through a question you had. And it's it's really nice to be able to have this video interaction. Um, but it's not, it's asynchronous. So it's not in real time. So we can record a video. They can wait until they're ready, watch it record a response it's very nice like that it's great you could have a you could have a five minute conversation like a text conversation over over an entire day and you can time shift the whole thing and, and it never intrudes and you can carry on with your day it's all right that's right what's really so we were using it for that that was cool And we said, what if we use this somehow for Abraham's wallet? And uh, what's cool about Volley, because there's other apps that do that kind of video messaging thing. What's cool about Volley is you can create a space where everybody can chime in and have a group conversation. Um, And this is the first time since the very early days of Abraham's wallet, the blog, long before podcasting was ever a twinkle in our eye, that we... uh, we have really engaged with content from listeners outside of receiving emails. So what we've done is we have created a a volley space for Abraham's wallet. And we've created a few little rooms in our uh, channels in that space. One is called home and one is called dough because you might know that we at Abraham's wallet talk about running your home and your dough like a biblical boss, right? If you were to join our volley channel by clicking the link in this podcast, define those two categories. Home is where we talk about all things related to running a household, uh, managing a family, discipling your kids. Maybe you have a question about family vision or Sabbath. Uh, That goes in home. Doe is where you say, hey, I heard Mark say I should be doing a Roth IRA to save for college. I-bonds. I-bonds. Yeah, I've sent that episode out to a lot of people recently. Um, And you might have a question about that. We aren't going to give you financial advice in there, but we do want to kick around some of this stuff with you, explain concepts further, uh, hear from you. There's also how to maximize your HSA. Boom. There's also a channel called introductions where actually some guys have already (laughs) chimed in. We haven't had any ladies chime in yet, which is interesting because 
I know half of our listeners are ladies. I can see the analytics, but um, <laughs> that might change after today. Uh, <laughs> the itch, yeah, either in either direction, it could be because in the either direction join us in Bali, or it's because they just leave. Or um, maybe we get a new new group of women who are interested in different things. Yeah, we could. I'm not going to say what the next ladies channel okay. would be called. That's uh, I don't want to be offensive, uh, but smart introductions channel is where people are recording a little here's who i am here's how i found you guys etc um and that's what it is i would love it how much does it cost to join this volley group it costs no dollars so we're pretty committed here at abraham's wallet we've we've had opportunities to say oh should we make some of our content behind a paywall should we follow in the likes of other uh manosphere sort of (laughs) blog podcast stuff and make paid content or a patreon and we've said no we are going to give the people what they want for free (laughs) because steven likes his his podcasts like he likes his bagels socialist um (laughs) there it is great no so it's free there's a link that we're going to include with this episode there's a link on all of our social media channels uh if you want to go in you don't there's no this is not a heavyweight thing you could pop in and just watch some videos you could talk to each other we might jump in and answer your questions. Um, so the, it's kind of a way if you want more and I meant to, to be volleying this while I talked, but why don't uh, you, why don't you start a little volley and say, Hey everybody, this is how volleying works. This is Abraham's wallet. Come join us. So this is the first time we've tried this, but I am live volleying while we record the Abraham's Wallet podcast. Live volley? Aren't all volleys recorded, Mark? Well, yeah, but it's live for me right now. Okay. In this very moment. Well, all volleys are live for the person who's making the video. <laughs> all videos are live for the person making the video. Yeah. So for those of us who are joining on volley, this is one of the perks is the only way to know that today, right now we are recording an episode about large families is to be on volley. Otherwise you chumps who are hearing this are going to have to wait get it weeks later. That's right. Cause we, we are on the ball here at Abraham's wallet. We don't, cool. podcast, we don't record the day before no, we're going to release. No, no, something. Duh. Come on. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk about big families and for the volley audience, what I'm doing right now is telling the podcast listeners who don't follow our social media. So they're not a part of that really esteemed group of a hundred people who follow us on Facebook, uh, what volley is. So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that after this goes live, we will have a whole bunch of new participants. Rock on. So that's what that is. Um, yeah, would love to hear your questions, volley audience about big families. And we probably will tell you just to wait till the episode comes out, but we might answer them anyways. All right. Bye. Boom. So that's volley. Join us. Volley the heck out of it. Okay. So our volley channel is live and you received a volley. How did it go? Well, what happened on this volley? I just noticed that relevant to the today's topic, one of the things that came out was um, somebody, his name was Nathan, and he popped in and said, I'm Nathan, here's what I do, here's where I live, 
I believe he's in Minnesota. And then he pointed the camera at three awesome little kids and said, you guys, among other things, inspired me to grow this family. And I've had three kids in less than three years. Um, wow. So I thought, if that's all we ever do, that, that's worth all the time we've put into this sucker. Those are eternal souls. Of course, yes. that matters. So you, you, you kind of put these touch points together. And I was trying to think for Nate. I'm going to call him Nate. I was trying to think for Nate. Boy, w- wonder what I could do to light a fire under his butt to keep him going. He's obviously on the kid making train. I'd like for him to continue. And I thought, um, you know, there is virtually no sunshine being thrown at large families and the having of many children. And even if you have a couple of children, I think you'll be encouraged by what we have to say on this matter or what the scriptures have to say on this matter. Um, Yeah. Which leads us to this subject that we're covering today. By the standards we're going to cover today, certainly by the standards of the Rasta construction man. What was his name? Alex. I keep wanting to call call him Marx, but it wasn't Marx. No. Uh, it was Alex. We don't have those huge families. You have two children and I have three. Um, but I think that we're going to, to kind of get into, yes, um, some of the principles and maybe even describe missteps we've made in decisions and timing and all that. Yeah. Sure. Let's do okay. it. Well, I'm excited. Um, Let's go. Okay. The, the first thing I, I want to say uh, very broadly is that Genesis 1.28, this is the first command that God ever gave to human beings. I don't know if you've heard this before. It's the first command God ever gave to people. So, Let's call this a primary slash foundational thing that God wants human beings to do. And he told them to multiply themselves. You might remember that, let's fast forward a couple thousand years. Jesus is leaving planet Earth. He's about to do this crazy thing where he just floats away into the clouds. And um, the final command that Jesus gave before he left human beings. By the way, you might be wondering, wonder what Jesus's first command was. I'll tell you that too. I'll throw that in for free. It was to repent. I'm just throwing that in. Okay, his final command as he left, as if it were a bookend of Genesis chapter one, if you'll allow me to rephrase what Jesus said, what he said was, go multiply yourselves. He said the same thing at the end. He said, go make disciples. And then he took off. So we have these two commands. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to follow God, multiply yourself. That's the command. Figure out a way to do that. Hebrews 2 verse 10 tells us that God is interested in bringing, quote, many sons to glory. He wants lots of kids of God. He wants a lot of God kids. And he's interested in bringing many of them to himself. Okay? So, God wants a lot of kids. As I see it, there's two ways to do that. Now, 
One would be to disciple men and have spiritual offspring, spiritual offspring. We talked about that in a recent episode, how to disciple men. That is a legitimate way to bring sons to glory, to, to bring, to multiply yourself, to multiply your faith. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, now Paul was a single man his whole life. And Paul said, Paul referred to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 as my true son. Um, so he clearly saw that I'm having, if you will, having children through reproducing my faith in Timothy and others like him. On these same notes of making spiritual children, Romans 4, 17 and 18 refers to Abraham as the father of many nations. How, how could he be the father? How could he be the father of many nations? He, he, all of his children are Israel, so really just the father of one nation. No, Abraham was the father of many nations because from Abraham's seed came the Savior and the church, which covers the world. So Abraham was the spiritual father of many nations, not, not to mention that he became the father of the Arabs through Ishmael and the uh, Jewish people through Isaac, but his the faith that he fathered went all over the world. So I'm I'm making the point that making spiritual children is legitimate. And I remember when I was in those days, which we talked about in the disciple making episode. You know, trying to make young disciples like you when I was in my early twenties and single, and I felt very much I'm I'm fathering even though I'm not married, even though I'm not a physical father, I'm fathering young men that I'm spending time with. That's legit, okay? Um, there is a downside to that method of having of having uh, spiritual kids and reproducing your faith in other people. The downside is that you have to spend a lot of time dismantling bad thinking and bad teaching, particularly if they have any religion in them. You've got to pull that out so that you can put in the good stuff. Well, sometimes you get to build on on good stuff, but rarely. You, you usually spend a lot of time dismantling and reconstructing worldviews. You have to re-enculturate them into a disciple mind view as opposed to just a, a worldly consumer that wants to relax. And you have to reprogram, re- reprogram them. It's a bunch of work. So there is a second way for you to make offspring and multiply yourself. Um, and before I say it, I'll say, what's, what do you think is the best way to create a worldview? What do you think, what do you think it's best to have a rehab project that we have to tear down a building board by board and take it down to studs and then rebuild it? Or do you think a new build is better where you get to lay it everything from the beginning? I think, think you want, you want to pour that foundation yourself. Yes, because you don't know how deep the termites go. You don't know whether the joists are sound. You don't know whether there's a crack that you can't see in that foundation. You want to do it from the ground up. Have you ever done a big reno project? Big, no. Well, I've done a bunch, and the last one ended up with two cranes in my neighbor's yard sliding new joists into my house because the doofus previous owner (laughs) chopped them up to put a hot tub upstairs. And uh, (laughs) 
I just, I think nice. there's a spiritual truth to be found in the, the man who puts a hot tub above his yeah, kitchen. Yeah, that's, that's right. That was a bizarre thing. I remember seeing that in that house when you know, went in there. Wait, on the second floor, there's a room that's dedicated to housing a hot tub. It's the room you're in right now. Yes, it is. Okay, so the answer is... It's best to pour your own foundation. What's method two? Have lots of your own children. That's it, everybody. Ding, ding, ding. Alarm sounds. Have lots of your own children. You will be, if you do your job, you will be fulfilling the first command, multiply yourself, and the final command from Jesus' mouth, which was make disciples. So, so. We'll talk to you guys next week, I guess. That, <laughs> That's, that does sum it up. I just want to read a little passage from Malachi 2 to affirm oh, the fact. Yeah. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but I am reading commentaries on top of commentaries on Malachi right now. Oh, you are? It's a gold mine. That book well, you- does... Yeah, but go ahead. I'm not trying to interrupt you. You can you can go grab one while while I read this passage from Malachi chapter two, um, and, and what this passage says. What I want you to hear in it is how the Lord affirms that His interest is in physical children, and and here's what He says. Um, now He's He's correcting people as we often hear from the prophets, and He's going, you know, you guys. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or your offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Why doesn't he accept this offering anymore? Here's why. Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife, the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of his spirit in their union? That's a very interesting phrase that I do not hear people talk uh, teach. He gives a portion of his spirit to the union. Now, I'm a big covenant guy, and he gives a portion of his spirit to the union. Someday, we should probably do an, an entire episode on the heartbreak of divorce and just trying to do everything we can to steal our guys' hearts against the entire notion of divorce. Um, But a portion of his spirit in their union. And what was the one God seeking? What a question. This is Malachi 2.15. What was the one God seeking in the union between the two of you where he made his own spirit the glue that stuck you with your wife. It'd be very interesting to ask you, the modern 2022 American, what do you think God's purposes are? That he, why do you think he really wants you with your wife? It'd be very interesting to give an honest answer to that question. Well, because I think we make a great team. Well, because he wants to work on the character of both of us, and there's there's personality uh, uh, facets to each of us that kind of rub on the other and make us more better people, make us more like Jesus. Okay, maybe. Uh, okay, maybe. hang on. Yeah, yeah so, go on. Just in the spirit of continuing to promote our little 
fun tool here. I'm going to, I'm going to ask the crew that same question. Uh, oh, he's I, making a volley, everybody. We could even get real time answers from the millennials who listen to us and use this app. But, um, I don't know that, I don't know that Roger Manuel is going to be volleying with us. But. Probably not. Probably my father won't be volleying. So the question you're asking, Stephen, is just as a... Why do you think God put you together with your spouse? Why do you think God put you together with your spouse? That's what we want to know from our listeners. What do you think his purpose is in a marriage between you and your spouse? What was he after? Tell us. You can cut that out if you want, but I think it'll be interesting to. No, I got to keep it in. Sorry, everyone. You know, you just had to listen to a volley being made. We're not. We we're not going to stop and volley every do ten this minutes forever. No, no, no. We're, we're promoting the concept of volleying. Okay, the answer to the question the prophet asked, and what was the one God seeking? Answer: It's a two-word sentence. Godly offspring. That's what he's looking for. He's very interested in godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Why is that? Well, it's because I'm, I'm putting a little, uh, I'm, I'm putting some seed, seed money on our divorce episode of the future. It's because it's hard to make a godly child when there is divorce in their past. It's much more difficult to do that. And what God is interested in is godly offspring. That's what marriage is for. That one of the, one of the main things is says that what, what was God looking for in this union? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Youth, by the way, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not be faithless. Now, according to this verse, I'm done reading Malachi 2. According to this verse, childless marriages would be called, at the very least, fruitless and unproductive, according to this passage. Now, I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to teach so that you won't be surprised when you stand before God. So if, you, if you're in a young marriage and you're sort of tinkering with, I don't know, maybe we could get that studio apartment downtown and never have kids. Maybe it's just something that we could consider. We could just pile up the money. We could travel all over the world and the, our lives could just be about us. I'm here to put a stop to that kind of thinking and tell you that... The God we worship, the God of Israel, he likes fully formed children from the ground up, and he wants you to parent them. Yes, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I feel like we're walking out on the frozen lake, like maybe we're going to do a little ice. <laughs> How far can we go? A little out? ice fishing. And I'm, I'm listening for cracks. I'm stepping a little further <laughs> out towards the center. Um, but before I do, I'm going to I'm going to test the ice here and just reaffirm. We're not saying that day one of marriage, you must immediately like hope 
and try to get that. pregnant the second you get married. We there is such a thing as taking some time to get to know your spouse and figure out healthy rhythms and lay I'll, a foundation. I'll tell you where it says that. Deuteronomy twenty six five says in yeah. your first year of marriage get to don't, know your wife don't go off to war and anyone who's been through a first year of marriage knows that it's sometimes a little bit like war uh, yes. however if you ever get the thought and maybe this is already what you said Stephen. but if you ever get the thought that you know maybe we're called to other things besides having kids i just want to say there is such a thing as a person who is not called to having kids uh in one way or another and that person is called single Boom! they're not called married there will definitely have been a break with sound effects before what you're hearing right now Show me a biblical example of God uh, creating marriage where he does not expect godly offspring. Um, Now, I think there's a lot of circumstances that could lead to a couple that doesn't end up with kids. Um, And I think there's a lot of excuses that get thrown out for couples that are like, ah, we're, we're kind of open to it, but we really enjoy this other stuff. And some of those things can be really good things like ministry and like productive efforts. And I don't think it's bad. I'm not, I know couples that don't have kids that I affirm their giftings as ministers and affirm all sorts of things about their life in this area. I think their, uh, their marriage is off track. Uh, if they're not open to children and pursuing that in in one way or another. Biblical fact. So if your toes are getting stepped on, sorry, but I, I, I would guess from most of our listeners, there are not many toes getting stepped on. Malachi, the reason it's such a fun book and it's so uncharacteristic for Old Testament to me is that he constantly like, I don't think he's mocking uh, the, the people, but there's all these times where he imitates them. So at the end of that chapter two, it says, you have wearied the, wor- the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? Uh, and he does that all the time, but you say, and then he said, by saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and that he delights in them or by asking, where is the God of justice? Can I translate what you just read as, but you say we're all children of God and no matter how you lived your life, if you're Betty White, you go to heaven. It's just that, that verse, I was memorizing it this week because it's so 2020 through 2022, like, like, You've wearied the Lord by saying either everyone who is doing evil is good in the sight of the Lord or by asking, by even daring to ask, where is mm. the God of justice? Because right. I, I don't think justice is, is is possible in this scenario. He must be asleep. Anyways, side Ooh, note. Snap. But Malachi is full of that type of goodness. Snap from Malachi 2. Okay, so uh, we think that you should get married have children and then keep having them that's that's what i get from these passages so i'm here to hype the concept of large families so i'm just gonna do give you a few things that are the benefits of having a large family i i'm just assuming that you're that you are married you've got a couple kids you could have more but we think we're kind of done or maybe you're planning on having one more or you don't know where you are i just want to put some boulders under your feet biblically okay so 
one of the benefits of having large families is that it's a gold mine. It's a gold mine. You've probably heard this passage before, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Now, I know that he could be talking about any number of things. We all tend to think symbolically for some reason when we read the Bible. Let's just think practically. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. A house is where a family lives. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from morning, early morning to late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, because God gives rest to his loved ones. Very next verse, verse 3 of Psalm 127. Children are a gift from the Lord. New Living translates that as treasure. Children are a treasure, they are a gift. They are a heritage from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a, uh oh, what kind of man? Here it is again. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. What a great passage. Children are a reward, a treasure from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to young men are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. So we could debate about what the gold and what the treasure is exactly. You know what? I'll put a plug in here for the the book that I'm reading with my children right now. We were were sent to this uh, series from a couple of people. It's by it's by the songs the songster Andrew Peterson. He wrote a, a series of of children's novels. Um, it's called the Wing Feather series, the Wing Feather Saga. And um, the reason it comes to mind is because in these books, the children themselves are the treasure. And and he goes at great lengths to to talk about that. In these days, when children are not treasured. Children are seen as a way of manipulating, a way to um, propagandize. There's something there. There's something to be controlled and led around. They're not treasured. Our our country is currently arguing about uh, how much freedom a woman can have in simply destroying them before they're born. Um. We, we have to recapture and we have to sustain this ancient boundary stone that says children are a heritage, they are a reward, they are a treasure from God. So I throw out a wing feather because it does that well. Um, they're a treasure from the Lord. So we could debate about what that treasure means exactly. Um, we know for, for, for sure that within agrarian societies, um, and I shared this with the guy that I met at Marx's Bagels, it, with agrarian societies, he, he was, uh, I'll, I'll mention this because I think a lot of people feel this who are having several kids. They kind of feel like they shrug their shoulders and go like, you know, we've been putting so much effort towards having kids. We don't have a lot of money right now. We've been trying to save, but you know, 
it just feels like it's just gone through the hourglass and okay well maybe you maybe you could have done better to, to, to save up to this point but i just told him look if you've got 10 kids he's about to have 11 underneath your roof i look at you and i see future wealth and i don't just mean spiritual good gold star on your crown i mean dollar signs because children produce wealth they did in agrarian society they were using kids to do simple tasks from the age of seven in the fields and so if you ran a farm you had to hire that many fewer workers because you had a whole house full of kids that you could put to work and they lived and breathed the business and so that's something that mark and i are interested in which is developing children who live and breathe the family business and we think there's treasure there so i throw that in um, but there's there's probably five different capitals of spiritual of treasure that children bring into a house. I mean, if you're a part of a, a really tightly knit faith community, one thing that I have said to our kind of inner circle of people, which isn't that small, there's quite a few families in there, is there's been different people who have hit hard times. And I've said, I want to help you because people know I'm kind of a financial advisor. Hey, I've got some money questions. Things are hard. Uh, and I'll say, I want to help you make good choices and steward everything as well as possible. But just so you know, you don't have money problems because we in this family of faith have your back. That's and right. when you think about a family, a biological family, that's magnified times many many more times That's which right. is i i have clients who have millions of dollars and we have clients that have very little who are in retirement and i'll tell you who doesn't lose sleep at night is the person who's raised a bunch of successful kids and knows well i could go live with any of my kids um i'm not saying that that having kids should be your retirement plan and they'll just take care of you. But I don't actually think there's anything wrong with plans to live multi-generationally. And, um, you know, it's something we've talked about on this podcast before is there is also a biblical mandate for children to take care of your elderly parents, yes. just like there is to take care of your kids. So um, even if we wanted to be as simple as saying there are uh, financial security rewards that come yeah. from doing a great job of raising a large family that would be right. true yes that's true let me tell this this little story from my life uh i was going to mention them at some point but i'll just say my sister who lives in texas she's got 10 kids and they made a decision you know when you have two or three kids you you got to make a decision you start making a decision and then when you have five kids you make a decision and they made a decision i remember them saying early on when somebody this is if you have a four or five kids you you have heard this question well how when are you going to stop do you i love this one do you know how those kids get made um people start asking you well, well when are you stopping and and my sister's answer was always we're gonna have as many children as the lord will let us have because children are a treasure from the lord she'd say that to every person that asked her and they have 10 children well one of their children is a city council member one of their children um started a, 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 a it was a small business at the time has grown into this 
multi-million dollar business. Um, you can visit it if you want. It's called Royalty Soaps. And my niece has a YouTube page and you can go buy some royalty soap from from my niece. But she actually employs several members of the family on this business, which is kabooming. Um, and, well, do you think my sister and brother-in-law are experiencing the fact that there's they always said there's treasure coming in for us and so we'll take it and they're experiencing that so i just throw that it's a great little anecdote there's another verse that you might not have heard that that reiterates this and this is such a great little verse this this could be an abe's wallet verse um it's psalm 17 14 and it says you fill their womb with treasure there it is again it's a biblical concept. Children equal treasure. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. Isn't that great? So that's a great multi-generational verse as we're just thinking of um, passing things down to our little treasure chests, and we know that they're going to have treasure chests of their own, etc. So those who refuse or reject children are throwing kingdom treasure into the gutter and the master doesn't care for that behavior i just want to put these passages together and and say that to you so i want i i want us to be a community are we a community we're just people who listen to the same podcast i may we be how about this a blessing may we be people who throw our arms around children and the value of children whether they're our children or not we understand the eternal value that's in a human soul when you see someone that's pregnant you bless them when you see a large family you bless them you make much of the having and caring for children um, the, the other thing I pick away from this passage is have them young. So if you are, I know some, I know some guys in their early twenties that listen to this podcast, and I just want to put this as a goal in your life. If I may challenge or encourage you this way, have your children young, make it your goal that by the time you're 50, you're a grandfather. That would be fantastic. Um, so make it a family value that we we expect to marry uh, young. I'll just leave that to your imagination, whatever that means. Uh, young, and that we're going to have children young, not as we're not saying you got to get pregnant in your first month of marriage, but but knowing that marriage is at least in part for having children. So that's a goal even before you begin. So, of course, when you're dating someone, you would be talking about children, the attitude towards family and children. I would think that that discussion could help you make a wise choice. Yeah, I I talked about places where maybe regrets uh, or hindsight comes in. Uh, for us... We, we waited a long time after we got married to have kids mm. and we were thinking, well, education, uh, work goals, all that jazz. And that right, your wife was, was in medical school and forever and totally. And we time. thought, well, you know, she needs to get through, we'll start in our, you know, mid thirties. That's what we were kind of thinking. Um, and that was stupid. I, I'm just going to like, 
tell you, both of her and I agree now that in hindsight, we would have said our experience since having kids is that anything can be reorganized around kids. That's um, right. And I, I think maybe we're going to have to tack on to this, uh, another episode at some point, but, but anything can be reorganized around taking care of babies, having kids, um, jobs can be changed, all that jazz. Yep. Uh, what can't be changed is the, the wall that we ran into where having that first baby, not that difficult. Thank God we didn't wait until our mid thirties. We started earlier <laughs> than that, but having the third child we had very difficult uh, on my wife and, uh, you know, you don't just this is, she's an obstetrician. Uh, so she talks to a lot of people who are thinking about pregnancy, trying to get pregnant. Um, there's no promises in this game. So, um, yep. I, I think we, we have to reiterate it a thousand times as we put this out there. We are not saying to the family that desperately wants kids and is trying to, to figure out how to do that and praying for kids and they have one or they have none. Um, we're not telling them like, well, you, no. you guys are doing a crap job. No, 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 no. In any way, shape or form. However, no. um, um, my wife runs into people all the time who go, if I had known I would have started sooner. And of course, even, even us, we're like, if we had known we'd have more kids now, God willing, because we would have started sooner. And yep. I just, I can't impress that upon the listener enough that, um, you know, even those years of working so hard, there was a long, I think four years of my early married life where I left the house at 6am and came back at 1030 PM because I was working a ton. And, yeah. Um, I don't remember anything hardly from those years, yes. a couple of vacations. Maybe I remember <laughs> almost everything from the time we started having kids. Wow, it's like, point. it's like I, that was when it felt like our married life started being, wow. we were a team. We had a clear purpose and we didn't, we, we never really thought like work. Oh, you remember that big report I turned in in 2004? No. What about uh, that deal? I closed. No, but I definitely remember the, the time that, you know, I was driving around at 3am with a screaming baby and my wife in the car. And we were just like, we're in the car because otherwise we would shake this baby. Um, yes. Yep. That's a great point. Even the bad times are like clear as day memories. And it's like, I, I feel like that's when my life sort of started as mm. a husband and father at the same time. That's a great point. Wow. I made that mistake and another before it, which was I waited too long to get married. Um, my my post-college life, I had so many ambitions that I did the thing that I, I wish someone would have uh, taken me by the elbow and sat me down. And uh, I, I did travel the world during that time. And I had ministry ambitions and I had musical ambitions and I wanted to make something of myself in the world. And I can't, I think I thought, I think I had the Jerry Seinfeld thought, which is uh, I'll have a career. I'll do the things that I wanted to do with my life. And then when I'm done and you can stick a fork in me, then I'll, I guess I'll mail it in and get married and then do that thing. <clears throat> when 
in a man's young years in his 20s when he's full of passion, full of vim and, and ambition, that is exactly when he should be tethered to a woman making a young family and figuring out how things go. We've mentioned uh, Michael Beausejour several times in this podcast. I'm actually going to stick a, a little interview with him on at the end of this. I had a conversation with him uh, just yesterday and asked his thoughts on some things. You're going to hear him reiterating a lot of what we say here. But uh, Michael married young and while having seven kids, we're going to have him tell this whole story on, a, on an episode that's devoted to his story because it gives hope to men who want to start new businesses. He had seven kids. They were, he, he's got a mortgage just like you do, and he completely changed careers. And so he's young enough that he's just ready to tackle anything. He, he's just, and I'm, and I just know that 10 years from now, it won't be that way with him. He won't be, he won't be willing to take on something so audacious, but he's now, he's, he's, he's still a young man and he's got seven kids. And, and as Mark says, careers aren't eternal. You don't owe you don't owe a career to well I've got to keep going with you forever cuz that's my college degree. No you don't. You know what's eternal? The souls of your children. Those are eternal. You know what's eternal? Following God's command, which is to multiply yourself and raise godly offspring. Those things really matter. And as Mark poignantly said, that's when life gets turned on for you and you realize this is why we're married. So, that's the first point is the is the treasure only nine more points to go i i know i I, i'm i'm sad about where we are time wise i want to make the point that culture making we we talk on this podcast about your job as a man is to build a culture in your home and you not only build an entire worldview and culture from the ground up in your children, you can instill in them any value you want. You could make the, you could lead them to believe that archery is the greatest thing in the world. If you're all about archery, you raise them to take archery trips. They will grow up as archery experts and they'll love the fact that they have this identity in the family as archery as, as we're an archery family and I'm a great archer. You could do that about anything. You're a culture builder. And by the way, if you're not doing this actively, you are handing your child over to American pop culture. And that's what you're producing is a TV culture kid. And whatever's, whatever's floating by in the culture, that's what you're making out of your kid. So you better own it and say, I'm a culture builder in my house. When I think of comparing, because uh, I've done both, making a, trying to make a disciple spiritually versus growing my own kids, I cannot help but think of Paul's verse. He said this um, about his ministry and wh- where his ambitions were in Romans fifteen twenty. He said, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not previously known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. I learned what that verse meant when I moved to England in my 20s, and I was doing ministry and trying to make disciples out there, and there was this light bulb that went on for me, and I realized, gosh, when I was in Texas working with all these religious guys, trying to make them into disciples who love the Holy Spirit and want to hear His voice, 
man, I was running against so much stuff that had already been built into them that I had to take all that time of dismantling. When I went to England, I had kids who had never cracked open a Bible. They did not know who Jesus was. They had no baseline understanding. So building for them a worldview based on the Bible was so exciting and so easy. There were light bulbs everywhere. I could hear God's voice. Yeah, I'll show you how to do it. Let's do it right now. You just heard God's voice. This is amazing. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Great. Do it for the rest of your life. It was great. And and if we build children from the ground up who have, as we've been talking, my children have a value for children just like what we're talking about here. I don't have to reestablish this because they already believe these things. Why? Because they're my children. So I've filled in the blanks with them from the bottom up. So you create this culture. The more children that you have, you have the... um, critical mass of the culture of your family and these things build on themselves um not only that but the larger your family is the more that you will have impact in the culture at large i mentioned that my nephew is already a a city councilman jeremy Pryor always likes to talk about this jewish man that by the time he was 70 years old there are photos of this man by the time he was 70 years old i think he had 12 children who had 12 children who had 12 children and they did that very early on he had 700 people in his family before he was dead that were his living offspring now, do you think that 700 people could impact a culture? We need to take back this country for Jesus. There's one basic way to do that, which is to have a lot of children, train them in the Lord, and go make disciples I, You know, when you have time in the cracks, um, but have a large family. So making culture. Yeah, that makes me think of, you know, we live in Salt Lake City and we are friends with tons of LDS people. Those would be the Mormons. Um, And we get all the Christmas cards and there's people that are uh, not old who have families that look. I don't know if you saw Mitt Romney's Christmas card was in the news. I saw a picture of it. There's a lot of a lot of humans so some smarty pants on twitter posted like these grandchildren are going to need counseling for for the uh the fact that they're going to have the smallest inheritance ever for children of a billionaire um, because they have to split it 50 ways but um i think i i think that um it's easy to feel like you're out on an island if if kind of this stuff is all new to you and that's why yeah. i think the bosagers are a great kind of encouragement i do know some families who have a bunch of kids and they don't actually seem very uh joyful about it so um i i think finding mentor families who not only have a bunch of kids but also seem to be thriving is a critical piece of kind of navigating these waters well because there are uh, i don't know if this is true in your life in my life there are people who roll their eyes and sigh every time you ask them how they're doing with all those kids oh yes um you know it's not it's not like a okay check this box pop out a bunch of kids and then you're you're okay um there's a whole family culture that has to be created and 
it, it's way different having watched my friends who have more than say five kids. Um, you can't even operate a family the same way. So yes. that's why I think we are trying to bring in some people who can speak, not from like you and I do from watching people do it, but from yes. actual experience to encourage those of you who are 23 and could, could crank out seven or eight or nine kids uh, yep. still. I'll throw this out. Look, when I was a, when I was a young man and we were all listening to James Dobson, he had a family on that had 21 kids and they did a big profile of the, of, of this family and they had adopted most of them. And they, and I, you know, you, you want to go, how many loaves of bread do you go through in a week? Th- those kinds of things. This is how big their pantry is. But I, they lived in Colorado and, and I actually looked into going to be an intern in their family because I wanted to, I wanted to see it, and I thought, this is great. I know that this is godly. It wasn't my experience growing up, but I, I want to be exposed to that. I'll just throw out, if you're one of these people who, like Marcus said, you're like, I would love to be around people like that, let me nominate that you come to Cincinnati, and I will help you get time with the Bosagers and their next-door neighbors, the Dykstras. We have interviewed uh, Ross Dykstra. <laughs> on this podcast about his homemaking business and those two families are they are excellent they are full of joy and life and they i don't know if they're in some weird competition but ross and his wife mckenzie are now pregnant with their seventh as well and it's just a kid making fun wonderful place to be you could you could come serve them spend a couple days with them and uh get inspired so i'm throwing that out there um, my next, uh, I only have two more benefits of large families. My next, this is the third benefit, is that they help themselves. I'm going to tell you something from my sister's family that will blow your mind. So if your children are trained early, which by the way, you should do, Proverbs 22, 6 says train your children, they will help younger kids. And by the time my sister had her fourth, her oldest, Katie, was 12 and was starting to help with that infant child. And now I'll tell you, my, my sister's childbearing years are gigantically large. And actually, um, this is a fun little stat that people enjoy. My niece, Katie, has two children now, and her youngest son, Will, is younger than his uncle, Mo who was born to my sister after Katie was having kids. He's older than his uncle. He's older than his uncle. Sorry. Yes. He's older than his uncle. Yeah. Because they're just, uh, they're just child making machines. Um, so they will help younger kids. Okay. By the time my sister had her seventh, her seventh child and we, and my parents and me were kind of worried. Um, are you, are you going to make it? And we're worried at, you know, at what point does my sister just fall to the ground covered in dirty laundry and dirty dishes and that monkey butt paste that you do for the diapers. Um, and, and her, we thought at some point you're going to break. And I never forget my sister's response. And she said, adding one more child to the process we have in, in our house is not painful at all. What are you talking about? She's like, Everybody has jobs to do around the house. She's like, I don't even concern myself anymore with 
meal planning, meal prep, or meal cleaning up. This is my sister who's running a house full of people. So this happens to this day when I when I'm going over to her house. The all of these things are being handled by preteen and teenage people who are running everything. She oversees this operation, but she has plenty of time for reading and all of these other things because the, this family machine they've been training these children from the time they were young. This is what I see for the Beausjours. I mean, they have a whole bunch of kids who are young, but my goodness, the days coming uh, four or five years from now when it's going to be golden streets for them. So I find that amazing. And I think that people think more kids equals more stress. And I don't think that's true. If, if you do it right, they become, they become servants in the household. Anything on that? No, I mean, in my small, relatively speaking household, we already see that that's true. You said training is important. That's true because I've been recently to a household with a lot more kids than mine where the kids mm. were never trained for example to pack their own lunches or oh boy. Uh, clean do the dishes um, and so it's kind of a nightmare every day to do as much work as you would have for a two-year-old times now you've got all the way up to a 12-year-old and you're still doing everything for them but in our house now i can if we have guests over for dinner when i'm done eating i kind of lean back and my kids clear my plate and wash my dishes and I I needed to work a little bit late the other day and my wife was not home. And I just told my oldest, I would like you to cook dinner. Here's the recipe. And it was ready to go. And and that's not like she enjoyed it. Like she's like, cool. That's great. This is a challenge. So, um, I think there is a line between having kids because you're, you're trying to get cheap labor. Um, and, (laughs) and that is not what I'm talking about, but, uh, it is true that just my, my sister, we went out of town and my sister is about to have her fifth, which is awesome. Um, and treasure, we left my oldest with her and she was, I, I was, we were like, thank you for watching her. And she said, are you kidding me? Like, this was like having another mom in the house. She was incredible yes. the whole time. My uh, and so that's great. Um, that's Wonderful. true. What you're saying, I I testify to the truth of what you said. Great. The last benefit I'm going to list is that, you know, those little, if you get an aquarium, you get some fish in it, they'll often tell you what you need is one of these tiny little kind of catfish sucker things. Mm. And they'll go around the bottom and they'll clean all the detritus of the, of the aquarium. Now, here's my, here's my proposition. I think children are algae eating catfish for selfishness. Ooh. If there's selfishness in your life, they'll eat it. And um, we're going to hear from Michael in just a second. He's going to mention this. And, you know, the fact is that you can grit your teeth with one or two, maybe even three kids. And you can go, really, my life is about me. And so I will endure the pain of this so that I can someday have a Christmas card that has beautiful children with the blurred background and the vintage edges of the Christmas card and everything. And we look perfect in the middle. Um, But gosh, these children are an imposition on what I wanted to do with my career. 
And when can we get back to touring Blackberry Farms in North Carolina? And I, you know the things that I've I've always wanted to be on the surf, surfing tour. And where's my time for that? Um, if that's the ro- the road that you want to go down. Um, once you get to a certain number of children, they're going to come for your life. And Michael makes the point that like my children having a large family like I do, they're what I do on the weekends and the evenings. Now, he's masterfully, we don't talk about this in the interview, but he's masterfully carved out a schedule so that he has time with the Lord. He has every single day, he has about two and a half hours with his wife alone that they have figured out how to do that. He runs his business and blah, blah, blah. But he goes like, you know, there's no, he loves ice hockey. And for years and years, he was in two or three nights a week, he would be doing ice hockey leagues. And he had just said, I, I don't have time for that stuff anymore. They, they, these people are my life. And my, over the years, he would say the kind of urge that you have to protect yourself and protect your dreams, your ideal sleep, scenario over the years those things erode and i just i have softer edges because i don't need those things anymore i don't need my life to be about me i know that all my money is going to the future of my household i think very long term i mean they just produce in you what i would call a kingdom mindset when it comes to selfishness future planning a life that's given to others so let's say i don't think this will ever happen to michael but let's say his kids are all going to leave the house someday and go have lives of their own where I think they'll be very much into the grandparenting business uh, very early on. But if for some reason they all left him, Michael would have to um, start leading multiple groups of disciples because that's where his heart is. He's been, he's been molded into being more of a kingdom man by, by having a large family. And I love having my family around their family because we just love that whole culture. We love that, that environment. So that was my last point is that they, they eat, selfishness like algae yeah like tiny catfish eat algae i remember for the first i don't know 12 weeks when we had our first child i would wake up in the morning after getting three hours of sleep or whatever and i really thought okay somehow in the process of my wife having a baby i became clinically depressed because i'm just it feels like i'm miserable and i thought oh this is probably my reality from now on and it was it was very interesting um you know that did not continue because partially i realized oh the first 12 weeks of having a new baby is like going through the fog of war no matter what but also some of what you're saying uh which is that i stopped saying well i am entitled to to a good night of sleep and not (laughs) not uh dealing with a screaming you know little monster and whatever was kind of bothering my 28 year old brain at the time but yeah, I, I just think that's true that that having kids will will just completely shift your priorities um, in a good way. And I kind of want to keep hitting on that, that it's not just that you wake up and go, well, now my life is for them and I have given up my dreams and aspirations and joys. Yeah. It's really not that. And that's what I try to tell 
young folks who are like, well, we just have a lot of things we really want to do and experience in life before we move on to the kid phase. I'm like, those things will be better with kids. I promise. Just do it. Yeah. So that's right. That's the encouragement. Great. Well, <clears throat> we've taken a long time. I'm going to, I'm going to end this by just reiterating something that you've already said, which is, does everybody have to have large families? And the obvious answer is no. Not everybody has to have large families. I don't have a large family. You, you, you're at three kids. You're somewhere between a, 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 the American 1.8, 2.2, and a, a large family. Um, but what I want is for us to understand the biblical value of them. I want us to champion them. I want us to encourage them. And I want us to know that uh, having a large family is in God's heart. Look at the large families in Scripture. Look at Abraham's family. Look at Joseph's family. Uh, God loves them. So if you've had infertility issues, we should probably do a whole episode on that. I've been through that. God bless you. Um, I don't have any condemnation for you. And if, and, and in addition, I would encourage you to consider adopting post haste. I really would. Um, I think it's in the Lord's heart. It's in the Lord's heart for you to parent children. And if you think you or your wife cannot possibly handle a large family, you're like, we're at two kids. My wife is crawling up the walls. She just can't handle it. Okay. All I know to do is if I was sitting with a guy, I just throw my arms around him and I said, okay, your situation is what it is. I still want you to love and champion the concept of large families because I think it's biblical and I think it's Christian. But if you're young and you're still dreaming and or you're still dreaming, you could still be dreaming at age 40. I'm here to stick this dream seed in your brain. Children are a treasure from the Lord, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Mic drop. That's what I say about large families. To me, it's very simple. The first command was be fruitful and multiply. There's no more tangible way to do that than to have a lot of kids. And I would also say in the Psalms, it's a picture of the good life where the guy is sitting around his table with his wife, who's a fruitful vine, with his children and his children's children who are considered a reward. And so I think if you start with scripture, why wouldn't you have a lot of kids? You know, that's that's sort of my take on it. We have seven right now. What does having a lot of kids do to your character and your pursuit of Jesus? Well, it makes you a lot less selfish. It, it makes you have to continually give yourself to other people. It, it keeps you honest. You know, you can't tell your kids not to do something and then you do it. They'll see you. It is also like a marriage where you have to continually work at, at building it. You have to continually discipline your kids. It just never stops. So it puts you in a posture of continual dependence on the Lord. And it, it puts you in a, in a place of permanence where I'm not thinking about what do I want to do and go do and do. This is the thing. We don't, you know, this is, it's work and family at this point. This is your hobby. This is your right. vacation. Right. The book of Malachi says that what the Lord wants from us is godly offspring. And so it's not it's not just about having a lot of kids. It's about training them up in the way of the Lord. Our family mission statement is to model and train 
prudent and daring Christ followers. We want children who are wise, who know the scriptures, who know the Lord, but also put that wisdom into action and are brave and courageous and will do hard things and make hard choices. So, yeah, it certainly has a purifying effect on you. It seems to me that as one of the great things about having a larger family is that it does consume you, and you you must rise to the to the moment. Am I crazy? No, that's exactly right. Um, I'm one of four kids, and as I got older, my dad my dad said that his his biggest regret was that instead of having like a cohesive family where everybody was together all the time, their strategy was kind of like optimizing the individual. Yeah. And so there was at one point in time where like, you know, my mom had to hire a second driver to get everybody to like both sports, you know, and and we really did live very individual lifestyles, but I can't have all my kids on different soccer teams. You can't do that, you know, so you have to find things where you're, where you're together more. And a part of raising a kid is being with them, you know? it's There's the discipline aspect. There's just talking to them a lot and instructing them. But it's really just being together and modeling. Like, you become, you walk with the wise, you become wise. You become, like, your environment. And so it's a really good advantage when you're all together a lot. I got to the point, I was having a conversation with a friend recently where my friend is an advocate for, for kind of doing things the way God intended them to do, right? You know, when we made our own food, we didn't have to go to the gym and work out. And he was hiking with a friend, and he was explaining him this, how all the modern conveniences has just given us all this time for entertainment, right? The guy was like, well, whoa, whoa. When would you have time to like go for a hike? You know, we'd be like we'd be out in the field making our food, hiking. <laughs> when would we have a conversation? When we're out in the field making our food, hiking, right? So it's like in having a large family, I've realized that so much of the way I was raised was about like optimizing my schedule so I had as much amount of time to do what I wanted to do, uh, right? Just totally missing the point of that's interesting. God made people his prized possession and so that should be at the center of that's interesting yeah there are a handful of fathers of large families that don't get a lot of encouragement what would you say to these guys I would say have more kids man I've had two people I think tell me you should have more kids and one was my midwife so I don't know if she was financially motivated by it (laughs) Um, the other was a lady who works at the mechanic shop that I go to who was one of ten and was just like you don't see these anymore just go for it man this is great um, but yeah I would, I would you guys are one of the few families that, I, that, that we've made the joke that you have a punch card with your midwife and then you get the tenth one free yeah <laughs> you should count yourself blessed if you have a large family and I think I think you could file this under being persecuted for righteousness I mean I think it's totally a righteous act to have a large family um, and to train them in godliness. And uh, so if people are scoffing at you, well, learning to have thick skin is also another blessing. Learning not to care what other men think. Soldier on, brothers. I just encourage people to keep doing it. All right, everybody. Thank you for your time. Bless you and bless your homes. 
And if you are, if you have young children or you're dreaming of children, I bless you in Jesus' name as a parent. Know that the kingdom is going forward because of what you're putting into those kids. Train them up to know the Lord and walk in His ways. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.